Welcome to the Agents of Innovation podcast. Where we feature conversations with entrepreneurs, philanthropists, and artists. Hello and welcome back to the Agents of Innovation podcast. I am your host, Francisco Gonzalez, and I want to welcome you to episode 17. If you haven't checked out any of the previous episodes or maybe haven't checked out all 16 of them, I encourage you to go back and do that. Um, you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud uh, just by searching Agents of Innovation on any of those uh, platforms, and that's probably how many of you are listening right now. Um, also, uh, you can find us on Twitter at Agent Innovation or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Agents of Innovation podcast. And, or you can just go to the Facebook search bar and type in Agents of Innovation and you will find us. And I uh, really encourage you to like the Facebook page, follow us on Twitter, and um, also send me a message and let me know um, what you think about this episode or any of the previous episodes. Um, if you have any ideas for uh, future guests or things we might talk about, maybe some themes or anything like that, let me know. I really would appreciate hearing your feedback. And uh, thanks for, to those of you who have given me a lot of feedback. It's really been great and trying to continue to improve and bring you also some uh, great guests. And today we have Sam Thacker, who is both an entrepreneur and a musician. In fact, I first got to know him when he was a musician, and then he transitioned uh, into uh, an entrepreneur. But as I always say, a lot of these independent artists and musicians that I find out there really are entrepreneurs out in the music world uh, doing their thing. So um, I think the transition is something we're going to hear uh, kind of some cool things about today and look forward to hearing your feedback and we'll look forward to having Sam Thacker on. Also, don't forget to visit my personal website, franciscogonzalez.us. And when you go there, um, click the podcast uh, button up at the top, and that'll take you to all the blog posts we've had about all of our guests who have been on this podcast, including this one uh, on Sam Thacker. So look forward to hearing from you, and thanks for engaging with us. And now let's get to another podcast. Okay, well, I want to welcome to the Agents of Innovation podcast, my friend, Sam Thacker. Sam, thanks for being with us. My pleasure, Francisco. Thanks for having me, man. Well, hey, um, for those of you who are not familiar with Sam Thacker, what's wrong with you? Um, no, but seriously, uh, Sam, uh, I first got to know Sam uh, at the very first Rock by the Sea that I attended. And for those of you that are not familiar with Rock by the Sea, uh, you probably haven't been listening to this podcast before because uh, I like to talk about it. Um, it's an organization I'm involved with, but uh, I first came, kudos to my good friend Mike Williams, who's also uh, good friends with Sam Thacker here. And Mike was my roommate at the time back in 2009 and said to me, um, you need to come to Rock by the Sea with me. And I said, what is that? And he said, it's a charity music festival. And I looked at all the names of the bands and the artists. I didn't know any of them. I never heard of any of them, to be quite honest with you. And, uh, Mike said, don't worry, you've got, uh, I know you're, I know you're a live music fan and I know your style of music and I know you like the beach and I know you're going to like St. George Island. So come on down. And, uh, so I did. And the first two 
artist I remember hearing that night that uh, got me hooked right away was Sam Thacker and Wide Awake, actually. And what was cool is we just got back from the 10th anniversary of Rock by the Sea. The year that I went, it was the uh, third Rock by the Sea back in 2009. And we had Wide Awake and we had Sam Thacker. Um, and now Sam, Sam has actually not played at Rock by the Sea in four years, right? Yeah, four, four years, man. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Sam, I know you were, uh, you know, you, you were in the music industry for a while. That was, uh, your life or, uh, what, what, I don't know. Let's see. You graduated from Emory, right? Yep. That, that's right. Graduated from there in, in 2005 and spent the next, so, you know, eight, eight years or so, um, involved with music in, in, in one way, shape or form. And when did you, uh, start playing music? So I started playing, uh, in, like, started playing out, like, in front of people um, while I was in, in undergrad there at Emory. Um, a buddy of mine from my freshman dorm uh, and I, we, we figured out that we could drink beer for free and meet girls if we played guitar at the bar across the street. So, so we started doing that uh, as often as we could. And, um, you know, things, things kind of took off from there and, and uh, you know, had, had a blast doing it and ended up playing in front of some people that were able to, to sort of jump in and, and help kickstart some things for, for me personally. Um, so as, as undergrad started winding up, had the opportunity to go in and make a record and uh, put a team together with, you know, management, a booking agent, uh, sort of all the, all the core pieces that you need. And um, the week after graduation, hit the road and, and kind of never looked back after that. Well, I'm going to uh, just allude to this right now, but we'll get back to it later. Uh, the reason why Sam had not played Rock by the Sea in four years is he kind of hung up the professional career as a musician, um, went to grad school, got an MBA from Dartmouth, and uh, uh, went into business. And we're going we're gonna to get back to that in a little bit, but uh, I want to first uh, let us hear the story here uh, of Sam's uh, evolution. <laughs> and, uh, but uh, Sam, you know, Emory, um, that's a great school. And uh, you don't typically hear people, um, uh, you know, graduating from a from a really great college like that, right outside in the Atlanta area there, um, and going uh, into the music business necessarily. I don't know. Um, what were you studying there at Emory, and what was your kind of decision point when you uh, decided, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna go uh, take take music as a career? Yeah. So yeah, it, it, it was certainly a bit of a process, and. Uh, I think the the one piece that was most core to that process was having a, a very supportive network of, of family and friends who, from from the get go, encouraged me to view college as a, a learning experience, an opportunity to go and um, meet new people from all over the place, try new things, um, discover uh, whatever path it was that I would be most excited about, and to not view it as simply a uh, a stepping stone or a, a pre something experience, right? Not, not go and be like from day one, Hey, I'm pre med, I'm pre law, I'm pre business, I'm pre anything. It was, um, yeah, folks were sort of very supportive of me and, and my parents, especially of, of viewing it as, uh, an experience kind of unto itself uh, and one of, of discovery and, uh, and excitement. So, so that was really, I think the, the biggest piece, um, and along the way, you know, I, I tried a bunch of classes and different things and, um, tried a couple of courses in the business school and discovered pretty quickly that it wasn't, it wasn't the right time for me to do that. Um, and I love the English and philosophy classes that I've taken. So, um, ended up being an English and philosophy double major, 
Um, and, uh, but, but also spending a lot of time, especially as, uh, I sort of progressed from a, you know, freshman to a sophomore, junior, senior, uh, spent more and more of my time playing music and, and discovered that, that was where my passion lay. And, um, I think, you know, at first <laughs> my folks were definitely kind of like, oh, okay, well that's a nice hobby to have. Right. But again, supportive all the time of saying, you know, find what it is that you're really excited about doing and, and do lots of that. But, um, I don't know if they expected that to be music, but once the, you know, once they saw that I was taking a very, um, serious approach to it, you know, putting a team together, um, investing in this small, basically the small business that I was starting, right? Uh, and that investment took the form of, you know, uh, a vocal coach and um, time in the studio and um, buying gear and, you know, really thinking strategically about the next steps that I would need to take. Once they saw all that um, sort of falling into place, I, I think they realized, hey, look, you know, this is, you know, I think they saw saw me as, as setting this up as a small business as opposed to, man, this kid just wants to, to play guitar and hang out, right? Um, so I, th I think that was the biggest turning point. Yeah, it's interesting because a lot of people, I don't know that many people really take that uh, into consideration that what you're doing, forming a band, going out there on the road, I mean, it, it is like a small business. You're, you've got to pay the bills. I know many times seeing you out there uh, – uh, and talking to you and, and realizing all the almost, you know, financial considerations, but, uh, the way you're, you also have to market yourself and, you know, some people are able to, you know, have, a uh, a manager and, uh, and things like that, but either way, um, you know, you're out there kind of discovering that. Um, so what, um, when you were doing that, I know some of, some of your current bandmates and some of the bandmates you had then some, some of, some of them are the same, um, are also, uh, they do, they don't do music, uh, full-time, or I should say they have other full-time jobs. Mm -hmm. Uh, was that an influence to you? Um, or, or just something at least you were able to observe because you were doing music full-time, right? Yeah. And, and, you know, at various points in the journey, um, you know, there were times when everybody in the band was kind of all in, right. Um, uh, especially when, when we were sort of really busy there in the, you know, I think it was like, 08, 09, 2010, kind of those three years, um, everybody sort of had their, their chips firmly pushed towards the center of the table, um, which was great and an exciting time. But I think what was interesting about that is there were plenty of years before that and, and several after that where, you know, yeah, as you pointed out, folks were kind of juggling a few different things, um, particularly the, the other guys in the band. And I think with you know, whatever kind of business it is that you're setting up uh, or whatever kind of project you're looking at, you need to be realistic about um, what what you can expect of people and what you can ask of people. And I think, number one, you can never ask of people more than you're willing to, to give yourself. Um, and, and that was certainly not the case uh, here. Um, but also, you know, taking a, a very honest look at it and saying, okay, well, look, if these are the guys that I want and here's our situation with the band and here's what... Um, what that situation is able to provide for them. If that's not enough to, you know, to have them, you know, keep the lights on or meet whatever personal goals it is that they have, then you have a decision to make. It's, you know, do I want this person? And, and with the understanding that there, there are some, some other constraints that are going to be placed on their time, or do I want somebody else? And, and, um, the way I always approach everything and, um, 
in my business, whether it's music or what I'm doing now, is uh, I want to be surrounded by the right people, right? And um, so that decision for me was, was fairly easy. No, that's a, that's a good uh, advice, you know, be surrounded by the right people, I think, in anything you do in life or business, for that matter. Um, well, you, as you continue, you know, Sam, some, some of your highlights in your music career, I know, um, I know you were able to open for a lot of major acts, uh, uh, Johnny, Le- Johnny Lang, you mentioned that to me one time, uh, mm-hmm. but Sister Hazel, uh, Corey Smith, uh, tell me um, some of the other uh, acts or some of the other just great moments during your music career. Yeah, and th- those were all those were all great ones. I think our, our first really cool gig was opening for Sister Hazel at the House of Blues in Myrtle Beach, uh, and that was that was a, an amazing experience. And I think kind of a, a defining point early on when um, I realized it, and you know, again, friends and family started to realize, hey, you know, this thing actually has um, could have some legs, right? So, so that was kind of the when I think of like a, a turning point early on in my career, that, that show with those guys out there was, was that, um, uh, stuff with Corey was always such a blast. You know, Corey and I, uh, had the same booking agent who introduced us and, um, he set me up on a three week run with Corey through sort of every shithole bar <laughs> across the South, uh, across the Southeast. And we did that and we became, uh, we became really, really good friends really quickly. And, uh, with, with him and his band and his crew and everybody in his organization, uh, uh, we, we just off. And uh, so Corey, for several years after that, this his sort of this his star continued to rise. Um, was uh, was very very supportive uh, of me and the band and what we were trying to do, and um, really set up a lot of great opportunities for us. My first time going on a uh, on a tour where I was living on a tour bus was with Corey. Um, and uh, so certainly, uh, you know, grateful for all those opportunities, but more importantly now, you know, for all the, those fun memories with Corey and, and uh, all the guys in his camp. We, we've had a blast doing that. Um, some other cool show, actually a, a really cool show we did with Corey was at the Tabernacle here in Atlanta. I remember being an undergrad and going to see Bob Dylan there. And uh, I went with uh, my buddy, we were freshmen at the time, we went with uh, my buddy and I looked at him and I said, you know, if I can, if I can one day play this venue, I'll feel really good about where I got with music. And, and so, getting to do that the night before Thanksgiving um, with a bunch of friends and family in town—that that was a pretty special gig. Um, we uh, we did several of the Rock Boats, which uh, I, I know you're familiar with, Francisco. But you know, big floating music festival out of sea. And, uh, those were always great because the uh, the other artists were awesome. It was a chance to, to meet and hang out with them and, and play some songs together. And, and the fans on that thing were just uh, the the kind of fans that you you hope to see every night. You know, very supportive, very into the music, and um, and just the if if the world were made up of more music fans like those, I think I think we'd all be in uh, we'd all be in great shape. Uh, so the rock boat, the stuff with Corey, um, we did a bunch of stuff with Zach Brown uh, in, in the early days, um, which was always a blast. Sister Hazel, I, I mean, looking back, there's just there's so many um, so many great folks that uh, got to play with, got to tour with, got to write with. We wrote a bunch of songs with Emerson Hart from Tonic, who you know I used to go and buy tickets to see when I was younger. Um, uh, and when you pause and, and reflect on that. Um, it's pretty exciting to think about, and um, and I feel grateful to, to be able to call all those folks friends now. 
Well, that's awesome. Um, well, uh, so anyway, yeah, I mean, you were you were kind of a big hit amongst that crowd, especially the Rock Boat and Rock by the Sea, and you know all those folks you were uh, opening for, and uh, and then you know tell me about then you had another decision point you came to. Um, sad for us music fans uh, <laughs> who uh, love to see you play all the time, but uh, mm-hmm. but also exciting for you and and um, and always uh, being around you at, at these things that you know I know you're. Uh, you're a smart guy, and uh, I didn't know how smart you were until you got started getting into all these great MBA programs, and you actually had decisions <laughs> to make. And I was like, "Oh, these are really tough decisions." Dartmouth. Um, so anyway, uh, tell us about what and what was it like preparing? You know, you got to take what the GMAT, and you got to start applying. And I know those aren't easy process while you're, you know, running a, a music business and trying to play shows. And uh, tell me what that process was like and the decision points. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's um, it, it's a bit of a windy path, right? Um, but I think that the first thing um, that I kind of had to square up was the decision point whether to you know to pursue it or not. And um, one of the things I learned early on in music is, is you go from from being uh, the young new kid on the block who doesn't know anything to like the the sage veteran pretty quickly. So. Uh, you know, after a couple of years of touring around, I would get start getting calls from folks being like, "Hey, man, um, Sam, you've been doing this forever." And by forever, Francisco, they seriously meant like two years, which is <laughs> crazy on its own. But um, hey, man, you've been doing this forever. Uh, you seem to be getting by, um, and you tour a lot. Well, whenever my band tours, we lose money. How do you tour and make money? Or hey, we're putting out a record. How could, how should we think about independent distribution? What do you do? Um, so I would go in and I would sit down with, with folks and I would talk to them about what it worked for me and how I saw the business evolving and what I thought could work for them. I really enjoyed those conversations. It was really exciting for me to be plugged in with people talking about something that I love, but also something that was really important to them um, and helping them, helping them think through it. I had no idea that that was called anything or that, you know, it was just hanging out, right? There was no data. There was no opening a laptop. It was just you know, having a chat. And, and, and thinking broadly about um, a business and a situation. And I really enjoyed it. And um, so I had a friend of mine from, from undergrad. And he asked what I'd been doing uh, when I wasn't on the road with the band. And I told him about these conversations I was having. And he was like, well, dude, that's called consulting. And if you ever want to do more of it, you uh, should think of going to business school because it, it could open some doors for you to do more of that kind of thing. So I thought about it for a little while, kind of sat on it, and, and as I was thinking about it, more of those kind of opportunities came up. You know, it, started, it went from talking to uh, other bands to talking to, you know, some small businesses in the music industry, small label, um, things like that, and helping out with different kinds of problems. And I, I was continued to be really energized by the work. So, so you know, with that in, in back of my mind, um, I thought, you know what, what, like, what, what would it look like? What would, what would a, a change look like? And, there, and there's certainly nothing wrong with starting to explore a little bit. So while I was playing at night and, and writing most days, I would carve out a few hours every morning to do a little bit of research into the process and start studying for the GMAT, as, as you pointed out. Um, and uh, decided, you know what? What the hell? Let's put a date down on the calendar. So put a date down to take the test and sort of work backwards from there and just sort of, you know, what I thought I needed to do to get ready and um, did all that and that went well. And so kind of in my head, I had a, um, an idea of the, the kinds of places that, that might 
um, reachable for me uh, in terms of applying to a business school. So put together a short list and, and work through the applications. And before you know it, you know, hit submit on, on all of them and uh, ended up with, uh, with a tough decision to make, which was a great, great, great position to be in. Felt very lucky. And, you know, after talking to friends and family, um, decided you know, this is kind of a, uh, the right time to, to try something new. And at a, a point in, in my life, you know, sort of somewhat newly married, been married for a couple of years, but no kids. Um, if, if, it, if we were going to take a chance like this and do something different now was going to be the time. And, and so, uh, jumped on it and, and looking back, uh, was absolutely, uh, one of the best decisions that I've ever made. Um, went to business school, had an absolute blast, met phenomenal people from all over the world. Um, learned just so much, uh, and not just content, right. But learned a lot about myself and the kind of person and kind of leader that I wanted to be. Um, and then, you know, the, of course the experience opened up, uh, a lot of doors that would not have been open to me otherwise. Um, so, you know, it's a, a tough decision to make leaving music, um, tough decision to make moving away from Atlanta and, and again, friends and family for a couple of years, uh, without knowing exactly what the, the end result was going to be, but, uh, it was a hell of an adventure and, um, and really, I don't think it could have worked out any better. Well, that's awesome. Well, uh, that was great. Thank you for sharing all that. And, you know, one thing, um, through this podcast and, and just meeting a lot of other entrepreneurs and, and, and different people, you hear a lot of similar themes and, and, and one you hear when decisions have to be made, but also, uh, when ideas kind of, it sounds like your friend almost planted an idea in your head and whether he did that purposefully or not, uh, just threw something at you that, that kind of stimulated, uh, some thought that you pondered for a while and, and then just acted on. But also it seems like, Another theme is uh, that you did have to take a little bit of leap of faith, a little risk. Um, and it wasn't probably, I don't know what you think about it now, if it was a risk, but it was definitely a change. And sometimes people um, are a little afraid to get out of their what they're doing, what they're comfortable with, and, and, and kind of make a change. Yeah, you know, Scott, I, I agree with you. I think there was definitely a lot of risk involved. So, you know, we were living, living in Atlanta. We just bought a place. Um, so, you know, I had a bunch of debt on the, on the, our place and, um, yeah, yeah the real estate market wasn't great then, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was an interesting, interesting market. And also look, you know, be completely transparent. You, you have a, a, a budding or a, you know, an early stage music career. There are a lot of things that are great about it. The cash flow is, is not usually one of them. So, you know, to, to go and do this business school thing, we were looking at taking out a bunch of debt to, you know, borrowing a bunch of money we didn't have to, to go and do this program. Moving across the country, Melissa, was, my wife Melissa, was putting her career uh, on hold or in jeopardy. Um, and, and we were trying to figure out what to do with our place. So, yeah, it, it was, a, you know, there were a lot of times kind of in that decision-making process after we decided to, to do it, but before it was actually time to go. We're like, man, I, is this the right idea? I don't know, you know. Um, but there was also, you know, it, that was something that, you know, between Melissa and I, I think really, really strengthened what we had, right? It was a, a moment of us putting our, our, our trust and our faith in each other um, and, and saying, you know, we'll, we'll do this and we'll, we'll, get, we'll figure out a way to make it work and we'll come out the other side and be better off for it. And it was uh, kind of a really nice moment, I think, in our relationship as well where, we just had to trust in each other and, and understand that um, 
you know, no matter what was around the corner, we were going to go through it together and, and we'd be fine. Well, that's great. So tell me, you, you graduated from uh, Dartmouth and I think, what was that, like 2014? That's right. Yeah. Um, and, uh, what, what was, uh, is what you're doing now, um, the, the job that you are, are still in from that time? That's right. Yeah. So, so started, started up there, you know, fall of 2012 and, um, the way business school usually works is, you know, you go and you do an internship in the summer between the two years. And so I, I, I knew from what my friend had told me consulting was that, that I might actually like it. So I wanted to spend my summer, um, doing an internship with a consulting firm and had the opportunity to do that, um, with, uh, with McKinsey and company. Um, so I spent the summer with them and, uh, had just an incredible experience, worked really hard, but, you know, learned a lot and worked with amazing people who, um, quickly became and, and still are close friends and mentors. And, um, you know, I, I came out of that summer feeling like if, if these are the kind of people, uh, that I could get to work with every day and these are the kind of problems that I could get to work on, then, then this is for me. So, um, at the end of the summer, they asked me if I'd like to come back when I graduated, and it was a pretty easy decision at that point. Um, so I went back and did the second year at, at Dartmouth and, and finished up, and then uh, graduated in the summer of 2014, and uh, went back to McKinsey right afterwards, and have been there since. So what are you doing now for McKinsey? And tell us a little bit more about what they do. I know they're you know a leading uh, uh, kind of consulting firm. Uh, mm-hmm. You hear their name everywhere. Uh, maybe maybe the leading consulting firm out there in some in some places. Tell me a little bit about what they do and about what you're doing uh, there. Yeah, so so it's um, it, it, it can sound a, a bit a bit vague, but it's management consulting. And the idea, Francisco, is when um, when companies and these tend to be to be large companies um, are are facing uh, a particularly challenging situation. Uh, they will often bring in external advisors to, to help them structure the problem, um, view it objectively, and, and put a bunch of analyses against a, an early stage hypothesis and um, you know, figure out the best path forward and, and help them put up the, the parameters and the guardrails to, to implement uh, whatever solution they arrive at. Um, so... You know, our, our firm works with, again, it, it tends to be a lot of large companies, but, but also, you know, a few small ones and public sector clients and governments around the world. Um, uh, but, you know, companies across just about all industries from, you know, finance to energy to consumer goods, retail, hospitality, other forms of travel, um, kind of, again, you know, public sector, you, you name it. Um, and within those, those industries across all functions as well. So marketing and sales, strategy, finance, operations, uh, organization, uh, all of those kind of things. It, it's kind of a, it's, it's a big, it's a big sandbox in which you get to play. Um, and, and when you join, you often join as a generalist and, um, try a little bit of all of those things and then begin to sort of choose your path within the firm after that. Um, so after a couple of years of, doing sort of a random walk through different industries and different functions, you might say, hey, I really enjoy all of the operations work I've done. I want to be an ops person. And then you'll just start sort of doubling down on, on operations work across a bunch of different industries. Or you might say, hey, you know, I've done a little bit of airline work. I love serving airlines. 
Um, I just want to do airline work and you'll just do all airline work and you might work across different functions, but you know, you'll, um, just sort of focus, you'll choose an industry to focus on as opposed to a function. So it's kind of up to you. It's, it's a bit like going to school and choosing what you want to major in. Um, but you know, the, the, the common denominators are you get to help, uh, you know, help organizations and for me, what's more exciting is you get to help people who are at sort of major turning points in their career, um, through, really challenging, complex problems with lots of inter- interdependencies. Um, and you get to work with a phenomenal team to do it. Uh, you're always learning. You're always pushing yourself. You're always sort of stretching outside of your comfort zone. Um, so it's, it's, an exciting, it's an exciting place to work and an exciting thing to do. Uh, I'm really enjoying it. So where you're at with McKinsey now, you've been there. You know, I know you did the internship the previous year, but you've de- been there about two years almost. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, have you decided what you're going to major in yet? <laughs> so uh, not yet, um, but I, you know I'll probably approach that point in the next year or so. Um, but right now I'm just you know having fun seeing what's out there, and it's especially uh, especially exciting for a guy like me who's coming in with a bit of a non-traditional background um, to to go and and really see what what each of these things looks like, right? And um, it, it's it's been again really rewarding, really educational. Um, and I, I don't feel like I'm done exploring just yet. So I'm going to try and push the decision point off a, a little bit further. Well, that's fair enough. Well, um, and Sam, you were telling me uh, this this has uh, kind of currently, at least with what you're doing, uh, kind of a lot of extensive travel for you. I know you live in Atlanta. Um, you've got Melissa there, your wife, and a uh, great little one-and-a-half-year-old boy who I saw <laughs> this weekend, Matthew. Um, t- uh but uh, what are the demands like on, on your job? You're, work, you're working a lot of hours a week, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, there are, there are some structural challenges with the, with the role. Um, one is, yeah, again, these are, these are big problems and, um, and complex situations, and that often requires a lot of hours. Um, so that, that's one, right? Um, but, they're, you know, they're exciting hours. You're, you're doing work that matters, and you're doing it with um, – with people who want to support you, want to help you and, and, and who are, are really good at it as well. So, um, you know, the hours are, are tough, but exciting. The other piece that, that you kind of alluded to is the travel. Um, we tend to go where our clients are. And, um, so that, that often means spending a few days a week, uh, away from home. So uh, my normal pattern, and it's going to be different depending on, on the, the project that you're on. Uh, or and the client that you're serving, but you know, at the moment I'm traveling on average Monday through Thursday. So it, it, it's kind of ironic. It, it, you, know, you go from traveling around, uh, to play music, uh, and, and not being home sort of Wednesday through Sunday to traveling around on this end, um, you know, being gone Monday through Thursday. And I, I often joke with, with folks at work now who, you know, we talk sometimes about how the travel can be tough. I was like, you know, in some ways this is actually a lifestyle improvement over music because at least I'm home on the weekends uh, and uh, go out and, and uh, have some fun on a Friday and Saturday night now. That is true. Well, you know, speaking of kind of comparing and contrasting here, uh, what, you know, other than now your, your schedule's kind of flipped uh, and uh, – you know, hey, people were buying you drinks before, though, right at the bars. Uh, <laughs> when you're playing. But, uh, but, um, tell me a little bit of how have you know what you did with music, 
Um, how has it uh, kind of prepared you for what you're doing now? And also, what are some of the just kind of uh, things you're seeing that could be similar or different? So I think the number one common thread, Francisco, is uh, a comfort with ambiguity. And when you, I think in any situation where you're starting your own business, but, but certainly in the, in the music industry, um, you, know, you don't know what's coming around the bend, right? And, and as, as grounded as you may be in the, the, the art that you want to make, right, or, or the, um, the way you want to position yourself as an artist, you just, you, you don't know what's going to happen next month, next year, right? And, um, and so you become comfortable just throwing yourself uh, sort of 100% into something, with, with no guarantees. And, and I think in, you know, as I think now about my role in uh, sort of a more formal business role, um, while it's not the same in, in that you, you know sort of what you're going to be doing a month later or, or you know, what the, the next month is going to look like, um, you are in, in this role, you know, in, in many complex situations, again, with a lot of interdependencies where it's not really clear early on um, how everything um, is going to come together, but you get comfortable breaking it into smaller component parts and and biting off what you can chew one day and 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 getting that down and then going on to the next day and the next day and the next day uh, and then at the end building it all back together and that comfort with ambiguity I think is really um, really important and, and the second piece that I think I'll, I'll always take with me for music. Um, is the the idea that you know nobody's just going to give you anything, um, and and sometimes you know it doesn't matter how hard you work at something or how much you want it. Um, you know, in music, your your effort is not perfectly correlated with uh, with any kind of outcome or success. You know, I, I can think of. Uh, several of, of my favorite artists who I think are, are some of the most talented folks in the world um, who worked tirelessly at their craft uh, and put everything into it. Uh, and, and for them, it just, you know, uh, the, for some reason, the stars didn't align and they weren't on the radio all day, every day and didn't go sell out Madison Square Garden. Uh, and, and, you know, for them, that, that's, that's fine. That's, you know, they're still doing their thing, but, um, you look at those folks and you're like, God, how are these people not, um, you know, at, at the top of the charts and, and how are these people not household names? They're phenomenal. Um, and so you, you start to learn that again, no matter how hard you want something or how hard you work at it, it, it it's not a guarantee. And I think that sort of, um, appreciation for um, the appreciation for sort of chance and, and luck um, is something that is, is good for all of us to have in mind. Well, that was always my question about Sam Thacker. Why is he not a household <laughs> name? He's a household name no, here in my no, household. To, but... to be clear, I, I'm certainly not grouping myself in that category. <laughs> but, uh, uh, well, I am. Um, well, no, but, uh, no, yeah, well, that was actually one thing I was going to ask you too, you know, like, to me, I mean, somebody who's a, a big fan of music and uh, uh, follow a lot of different artists and gosh, you know, being able to be involved with things like Rock by the Sea and, and the Rock Boat and going on that and you kind of get introduced to a lot of, um, 
you know, more independent artists, uh, or a lot of, you know, people don't hear on the radio and you, you start thinking like, wow, like why has this band or this artist not like, and, and then you turn on the radio and you're like, what are they playing? This is crap. Um, people pay for this in, in, in the thousands or in, in the millions. Uh, when, you know, I feel like I've been privileged to see some really great musicians that, uh, that just haven't hit it big to that level. But um, I kind of feel like music is, you know, it's it's art, right? And art has, um, you know, sometimes if, if, you know, it just, it has a taste to it or it has, I don't know what it is that uh, just doesn't take off. Whereas like sports, um, you're either uh, the best or you're not. And it's going to be determined on the playing field. You are either going to, you know, if you're, if you're running track, for example, you're either the fastest person out there or you're not. And there's no, nobody saying, well, I like your uniform. Um, uh, so you should win, but, uh, you know, and in the business world, uh, you know, how, how does that, uh, kind of translate as well, um, in sort of the, the raw business world with, with numbers and companies, uh, you know, profit and, and, and how, how does that translate compared to say something like music or art? Uh, yeah, that's, that's a good question. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, business can be a little bit more objective, right? There, there are, are sort of core metrics that you can look at to help make a decision or uh, metrics by which you can evaluate performance, right? You mentioned, you know, whether it's profitability or market share or growth, you know, whatever you want to look at, um, you, you can cut the data up and, and paint a, a fairly clear picture. Um, that said, you know, I think there are times often, especially when you're doing what I'm doing now, which is you know, advising companies, right? Um, the, the data can can give you um, sort of the 80% answer, right, or the 50% answer. Right? There are also sort of broader strategic considerations that you need to, to think about um, at, for, at any decision point, right? So I think this is where there's perhaps a bit of a corollary to, to music and, and art. You know, if you're, if you're a company and the numbers are telling you one thing, um, you also do need to take in sort of a qualitative consideration and say, well, you know, how does this fit with who we are and who we want to be? Uh, what are what are the trade-offs that making this decision will bring into play? Um, you know, so you've got to sort of open the aperture a little bit and, and um, think about things quite broadly. And I think in some ways that sort of qualitative piece um, can be a little bit more aligned with um, the way that music often felt to me, right? Where it wasn't just a, yeah, well, this song has all of these elements, check, 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 and so now it's a hit, right? There is sort of like a, um, again, like a, um, a harder to pin down feeling, right? Like what's going on in, in, in the industry, in the marketplace? How does this fit with that? How, how is this all put together? Um, so, yeah, I, I think there are some, some loose ties, but... Um, I'm not going to lie to you, after eight years of um, trying to figure out a lot of loose ties, it is kind of refreshing to be uh, on the side of the world where there is at least that 50 to 80% that you can rely on uh, data and metrics and uh, numbers for. That's for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, Sam, we could probably keep this conversation going, but I'm sure you'll be starting to charge me a consulting fee soon. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but anyway, um, no, but this has been fantastic. Um, now, uh being kind of away from music professionally for four years, I'm sure you've played a gig or two somewhere. Um, I, I know you can't put the guitar down. Uh, 
But uh, well, actually, no. I'm gonna ask you two questions. Uh, uh, first, uh, being just somebody who plays has played music, you know, uh, I'm, I'll just compare it to somebody who has uh, played professionally a sport or something, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you put it down, but you, you know, how if you kind of just used it personally? Uh, maybe it's picking up the guitar at ten o'clock at night and strumming it or something, you know? I mean, or or maybe it's getting in front and playing a, a cover gig or a wedding or something, you know? T- tell me what. Where has music been for you the last four years? Um, so uh, most recently, you know, it's been uh, mostly sort of singing "You Are My Sunshine" for for little Matthew, which, oh. which has been a lot of fun. Yeah, he's got a little guitar, and um, he'll run over and, and grab that, and then and then point to mine in the corner and want me to get it out. We'll, we'll play together. He'll he'll bang on his, and I'll I'll play him some songs, and he just he loves it. So um, that that is by far the, the most exciting. Um, sort of way for music to be in my life right now. I just I, I love spending that time with him, sharing that with him. Um, in terms of playing out, you know, we just we just finished up Rock by the Sea ten down there in Florida, which was a, just a complete blast. Uh, it was so great to, um, you know, number one, be reconnected with that organization and all of our friends in it who have been just incredibly supportive. Um, to to us and, and especially to me over the years personally, um, just a a great group of uh, of really close friends who was fantastic to reconnect with. Uh, and then secondly, it was it was awesome to be back on stage again with the guys and, and playing these songs. And you know, you look out. We certainly starved the market for long enough. But, you know, you look out and there's uh, you know, I don't know how many people were there. A couple hundred, three hundred. I don't know, but um, you know. You look out and they're they're singing singing your songs back at you and uh, and enjoying it and, and connecting in the moment and that was that was uh, that was an awesome experience and then lastly just being with the guys was was so much fun. Um, so I remember seeing an interview uh, a couple of years ago with a former Atlanta Braves pitcher John Smoltz and the interviewer asked him you know John uh, a few years on from playing did he miss the game. And he said, you know what I really miss the most is the rain delays, uh, which, which struck me as odd. And then he went into it and explained, you know, I miss that time in the clubhouse with the guys where there's nothing else to do. We're just hanging out. Uh, we're telling jokes, trying to stay loose. Um, and, uh, and so getting to hang out with, uh, with the guys in the band this weekend was awesome. Um, that time that you share um, while you're, you know, waiting, waiting for the gig during the day, and, you know, that was a, Back in the day for us, that was a lot of time in the car, the bus, the van, whatever. Um, yeah, this weekend it was sitting on the beach, which is pretty nice. But that, that sort of hanging out, that downtime, that time right before you go on stage and you look at each other, think about what you're going to do. And, uh, or when you walk off stage and uh, everybody's sweaty and exhausted but, but full of energy, uh, a different kind of energy. Um, those moments are, are really special, um, have always been um, something that I loved about about that sort of chapter in my career, and, and it was nice to recreate those a little bit this weekend as well. Well, Sam, I have to say it was uh, it was awesome seeing you back up there, um, and I think you hit it right. You definitely starved the market, uh, <laughs> and uh, I think I think really I think part of the thrill was just I think probably when Beth called you and you accepted uh, to come to play. And we all saw your name in the lineup. I think I think we were just all excited, and it was great to see that Jackson Rom was coming back, and Wide Awake, and Georgia, and some of these um, artists and bands who have gone on and done things like you have gone on to a lot of other uh, different things with their lives, but said, "Hey, I want to come back and rock by the C10." Um, but then, hey, just to see you out there, I had no idea. 
I was like, I'm going to like it either way. I'm going to, it doesn't matter. Like Sam Thacker's back there on stage, but I thought you guys absolutely killed it. Like you hadn't stopped. It was yesterday. And maybe it was almost like you were fresher. Like you needed a little break or something. (laughs) You just, uh, tell me, did you, I mean, did you do some warm up before, um, you know, a little practice? Yeah. Yeah. So, so we got together, um, once or twice, uh, here in Atlanta on the weekends. It's funny, you know, our, our last rehearsal, um, before we came down for Rock by the Sea, uh, when I think about back to how we used to rehearse, it was you know we'd start at ten o'clock at night and we'd have a you know a pizza and a few beers and all that. Uh, well, last you know last week before we went down to Florida, we we wanted to get together and run through some tunes, but but Matthew had a birthday party to go to that afternoon, so we started at ten in the morning with with coffee and donuts, and <laughs> pizza and beer, uh, and hacked our way through the songs. But um, you know it, it was great. Um, and, and the guys, uh, the guys in the band are, are just complete pros, right? And and so my my objective here was to uh, you know make sure we all remembered the songs, but then for me to mostly stay out of their way. Uh, and I figured it would be fine if, if I did that because you know again you come back to surround yourself with great people um, and people who will, will push you to challenge you to be at your best, and they certainly do that. So so just to be on stage with them, I, I knew we'd be all right. Well, it was also uh, it was kind of fun seeing Melissa out there with the stroller, uh, <laughs> and I saw her pulling Matthew up as you guys were loading your gear onto the stage, and I just went over and said hello to her for the first time I saw her that weekend, and she just kind of said exactly what I was thinking. She said, "My have things changed," <laughs> and so uh, which one? And then the next morning, I actually saw you guys walking down by the beach uh, with the stroller. And it was like little mom and dad, and he's like, you guys were like all grown up, and uh, it was it was fun. It was fun seeing that, and um, and seeing you with your with your son. So uh, uh, maybe we've got a Thacker in the making because uh, I, I see him. He did not want to come off stage when uh, when you were up there setting things up. <laughs> no, he he was uh, he's a natural up there already. So we'll have to we'll have to continue to encourage that. Yeah, and um, and also you know honestly, the, one of the highlights for me just being there and listening to you guys was just. As you said, um, at moments you would pause and let the crowd sing your lyrics for it for you, and I was like, "Wow!" Like it's not like you were a radio hit, <laughs> and uh, you know, I know you had a couple songs that did hit the radio, but um, but it, it's nobody there had seen you play live for four years, including me, and and they're all singing your words back. I mean, how special was that? It, it was amazing, man, and, and you know, again, a, a testament to to the, the Rock by the Sea community, and, and as I said earlier. Um, it's those are the kind of fans that, that you you always uh, hope to have, and, and um, you know we were fortunate enough to be uh, in a setting with with a lot of those folks this weekend. So it was a total blast, it really was. Well, Sam, uh, it's it was awesome seeing you, um, and uh, I know. Uh, oh, one one last thing though, I have to call you out on this. Um, while on stage for the second night at Rock by the Sea. You mentioned that this was actually just an audition for Rock by the Sea 11. <laughs> uh, and so, um, as a member of the board of Rock by the Sea, um, I know where my vote is. Uh, <laughs> so, I, uh, I, hope, I hope you win that audition, and uh, I hope we'll see you back at Rock by the Sea 11. I, I hope so too, man. That'd, that'd be a lot of fun. All right. Well, we are going to uh, we're going to close it out here um, with a song by you. I think I'm going to play here. Uh, Who I'd rather be. One of my favorites. Thanks, Sam, so much for being with us. Thank you, Francisco. I want to do the right thing. 